My name is Joseph, and I'm going to be reading today's scripture. Uh, Can you please stand as we read God's word? I'm going to be reading from Luke 4 today. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Thank you, Joseph. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We understand that we can't understand it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray that by your spirit, we would understand um, why this passage was placed in your holy word. And God, how it can apply to our lives today. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. So how many of you were tempted this past week? Raise your hand. How many of you just lied and didn't raise your hand? Right. I was tempted this last week. Um, I was going to say, I hope you were too. Uh, <laughs> make me feel a little better, right? Um, we're all tempted. Uh, I am tempted in different areas. And uh, usually it's in the area of greed or, or lust or even fear. Uh, I can be given to fear. Um, quite easily. I remember a couple, actually it was last year, I was at a, I was at a conference of ministers and um, I was asked to stand up and receive the offering. And I'm, I'm normally the kind of guy who stands in front of people and, and I'm okay with that. I'm not afraid of public speaking anymore. Uh, I used to be terrified of it. But I remember that day uh, standing in front of all of these ministers and I, I was just, I was having a, what I think was a panic attack. Um, just given to fear, anxiety. It was just, I was shaking. I was everything. It was, it was a very, very scary moment. And um, um, I guess I, I'm not sure that I, I want to normalize sin this morning, but I'd like to normalize temptation. Can we do that? Um, you know, so, you know, whether you are, are tempted to lust or tempted to be greedy or tempted to fear or same gender attraction, temptation, right? Um, how many of you know all those things are temptation? Those are not sin in and of themselves. So if you're here and you have a, a same gender tr- uh, attraction, that's your kind of desire, that temptation. It's not a sin until we act on it. Just like if I have a, a heterosexual attraction to another woman who's not my wife, that attraction, that initial, right, that's temptation. That's not sin. It's when I start dwelling on it and start moving in that direction emotionally or physically, then it becomes sin. 
Right. How many of you know the Bible says that Jesus, he was tempted in every somebody say every way, every way, but was without sin. And so oftentimes we look at that and we go, well, how did he do it? We always want to know how he did it. But before we look at how Jesus overcame temptation from the passage today, let's ask the question, why? What's the big deal? What what's at stake when we are tempted? Because because here's the deal. A lot of times when we're tempted, we think things like this. Oh, if I do this, I might lose my reputation. Come on. How many of you know I'm talking about? I might lose my reputation. And the Bible says that a good name is better than riches. I don't want to lose my reputation, right? I don't want to lose my job. There's certain things that if I stole or fry, uh, whatever, I might lose my job. Or I might lose my spouse if I am unfaithful, right? Or I might lose my intimacy with God. But it's always my, my, my. I'm afraid of losing something, right? And your motivation is what's in it for me rather than what's in it for God. And I'd like to propose to you this morning that that the why behind temptation is not about you and your management of temptation or your management of sin in your life. It's so much bigger than that. It's about advancing this thing called the kingdom of God in the earth. We make it a little we make it about our little kingdom and how it affects us. And I want us to just blow out that just blow, blow, blow up 30,000 feet and look at it a little bit differently here today. It's about the kingdom of God. We're going to look here in a moment over all these these battles, these cosmic battles that have taken place long before you showed up on the earth. And how all of these battles have something in common. There's a battle for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a piece of real estate. It's the activity of God. Okay? We think kingdom of God, we think king, we think location, we think a place. Oh, the kingdom of God must be over there, or must be over here. The kingdom of God is wherever the king has his activity. Wherever the king is ruling and reigning, wherever God is boss, right? Wherever God is in charge, that's where the kingdom of God is. And we need to be thinking of temptation about this battle for the kingdom, the activity of God in our lives, the rule and reign of God in our lives. And the rule and reign of God here in the earth. And the temptation of Jesus is no different. Joseph, thank you for reading this morning. Um, The temptation of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 is not the first battle over who's in charge of the kingdom of God. The first battle, let's let's go back a few years. The first battle um, took place uh, in heaven. And it was a God versus Satan battle. And the, the battle was over who gets to rule in heaven. Right? Who gets to rule in heaven? And the second battle is the battle between Adam, Adam versus Satan. And that battle took place where? Here on earth. Here in the Garden of Eden on earth. And that battle was over who gets to rule the earth. Right? The third battle is the one we just read about. It was between Satan and Jesus, and it was over who gets to rule the earth again, right? So there's three battles, and the fourth battle, and we won't go into it today, but there's this final battle that happens after Jesus returns to the earth, and it's this final battle over Satan, uh, over who gets to rule the earth, and the new heavens and the new earth. And we know, we've read the the back of the book, and we know that Jesus wins that final battle as well. 
But let's just let's just go into these three battles. I want to review them with you this morning because they explain exactly um, what's happening in your everyday battles. Okay, in your everyday battles, it happens. And so this first battle that um, took place is who gets to rule in heaven? Who gets to rule in heaven? All right. We know that God created the heavenly realm. He populated it with angelic beings uh, and the angels in heaven. Right. The angels in God's they, they live in God's presence and they minister to God. The angels live in God's presence and they minister to him. And we know that God rules the heavens. Right. He is the king in the realm of heaven. And we call that the kingdom of heaven. Right. God is king in the heavenly realm, in the kingdom of heaven. But one of these angels we know was tempted. Somebody say tempted. He was tempted, just like you and I are tempted. And he led a great rebellion in the kingdom of heaven. And he persuaded some of the other angels to follow him in that rebellion. What's his name? Satan or Lucifer, right? In Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28, you can go to those chapters and you will see the the record of the fall of this angelic being known as Lucifer. And as a result, these angels, along with Lucifer, they are exiled from this heavenly kingdom, this heavenly realm, and they are put outside of God's present presence. And God sent them somewhere. Where did God send them? To earth, sent them to earth. Okay, that's the first battle. It was who gets to rule in heaven. Again, every spiritual battle, every temptation is about who gets to rule. All right. The second battle is the battle of Adam versus Satan. And it was about who gets to rule on the earth. We know that God created the earth. Right. And he created all the plants and all the animals. And then he he crowned the earth with his most prized possession. And he created Adam and Eve. He created mankind and and Adam and Eve. They lived in God's presence and they ministered to him just like Satan at one time lived in God's presence and ministered to God. Now we have Adam and Eve. They live in God's presence in the garden and they minister to him. And if you'll remember, God gave Adam and Eve dominion. Rule over the earth. But I want you to notice this morning that the the context in which God gave them rule and dominion was the context of you are created in the image of God. Therefore, rule the earth. I want you to see this scripture. We're going to go to Genesis chapter one and verse number twenty seven. So God created mankind in his own. Somebody say it image in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. How many guys like that word? Come on, let's subdue the earth, right? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and over every living creature. That moves on the ground. So God is saying here, I'm creating you. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to rule over the earth and everything in it, including everything that crawls on the ground. I don't know about you. When I hear that crawls on the ground, I think snakes. I think serpents, right? Are you with me this morning? Okay. So just as God rules over the heavens, God wants to rule over the earth, but he wants to do it through those image bearers called human persons. 
You see, part of God's image, part of his likeness is to rule. That's what he does. That's who he is. We have been given that same image, that same likeness. God has made us, created us to rule, subdue, to have dominion, to have authority over the earth. He created us for that. And that's why when we watch the Olympic Games, everybody wants to win. They want to rule in that sport. They want to be number one. They want to be the authority, right, in that, in that winter sport. We are wired by God to rule. We are wired by God to rule. Some of you men need to hear this this morning. You think something's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you in that respect. The question is, which kingdom are you ruling in? Not whether or not you rule. So God's called us. He's created us in his image to rule. And it's normal and right for us to want to rule the earth because he made us that way. So. It's, it's as if God gave, Frank Viola says this, it's as if God gave the title deed to the earth, to us, to human beings. All right, I've created you, I've created the earth, now you rule the earth. God wanted to rule the earth, but he wanted to do it through human beings. So that the kingdom of God would be on earth as it is in heaven. But Adam and Eve, they were tempted. Somebody say tempted. And they were tempted by the fallen angel named Satan or Lucifer, and they committed high treason. And they gave their God-given dominion over the earth to the fallen celestial being. They gave Satan the title deed of the earth. And Satan became what the Bible calls the God of this world. In fact, Jesus three times calls Satan the prince of this world. The Apostle Paul called Satan the God of this world, small g. And the Apostle John said this, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The whole world, that word world is, comes from the Greek word cosmos, which can mean three things. It can mean the earth, it can mean the people of the earth, and the systems of the earth. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And so the fallen angel now begins ruling the earth instead of humans. This is 30,000 foot, isn't it? This is way up here. All right. God rules in the heavens, created man to rule over the earth. Right. Mankind hands the title deed of the earth over to Satan. Now Satan rules this earth. He's the God. He's the prince. He's the ruler of this world. And Adam and Eve, as a result, they were exiled from the Garden of Eden. They were, again, put out of God's presence because of their sin. But I'm thankful that's not the end of the story. God is a God of promises. And God makes some promises. And he makes a promise to Adam and Eve right at the point of their sin. And he promises them, he says this, he says, From your offspring will come a king. I'm going to paraphrase, will come a king and he will come and the serpent who tempted you will strike at the king's heel. Right. But the king that comes from you will what? Crush the serpent's head. And once again, rule on planet Earth. God makes another promise. He makes a promise to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to give you this land, the promised land. 
I am going to also make your descendants like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Many, many descendants. And from your descendants will be born a king. And this king will bring good news. And this king will will uh, bless the nations, all the nations. And as a result, all the nations will bless this king. And God also says to Abraham, I'm going to give you land. And the land that I give you is going to be Canaan. And Canaan, in essence, was the new Eden. Okay, it was the new Eden. It's where it's where heaven and earth would again meet on earth, just like in the Garden of Eden. Now we have this land of Canaan, the promised land. And this is where heaven and earth were to meet. It was the place where God will rule the earth through his human beings again. And Israel was to show the world what God is like when God is in charge. Just like today, we are created, we, we are created to show the world, salt and light, what God is like when God is in charge. Just like Adam and Eve were created to show the world what God is like when God is in charge. And he also said to Abraham, he said that a king will come from your descendants. It's the same person, this king. Who is he? King Jesus, right? And he will rule and he will reign and as a result, the nations will worship him as king. And the Bible goes on and it says that Abraham's descendants became this, this great nation, this incredible um, nation of people, millions and millions of people. And those people were called the Israelites or the Jews. And it was this nation called Israel, right? And we know that these, these descendants of Abraham, Israel, they were also tempted. Somebody say tempted. They were tempted and they were tempted and they they failed as well. Um, instead of trusting God and worshiping God as their king. Right. And displaying to the world what it looks like when God's in charge, they began to give themselves to idols and they trusted idols and foreign gods to meet their needs. And we do that oftentimes today and they ask for an earthly king to rule over them like the other nations. They said, we want to be like the other nations. We don't want to be this different kind of nation. We want to be like them. We want a king that can make decisions for us, that can rule over us. Somebody that we can see with our own eyes. Because this walking by faith thing really sucks. I want to see who this God is. Right? It's hard, isn't it? Come on, it's hard to walk by faith. It's hard to know if God is there sometimes. We don't know what's going on, right? We, so we want things that can physically, tangibly, we can see that can meet our needs. And, and that's what they did as well. And because of their sin, the Israelites, they were exiled from the land that God had given to them. And they too were put outside of the presence of God. Can I tell you that we were created to live in his presence? So there's a pattern we see here. Satan was put out of God's presence. Adam and Eve were put out of God's presence. The Israelites were put out of God's presence outside of the land of Canaan. They were exiled and they were they were taken into captivity, the Babylonians and so forth, so on and so forth. And they lived among they, they, they were taken by the enemy and they lived with the enemy and and they were away from the promised land. They were away from the rule and reign of God and God in his mercy and his long suffering. He eventually brings them back to the land that he promised. But this land had been inhabited by, of course, the enemy and these foreign kings and these worldly systems. And here they are in the midst of this this place that's supposed to be the place where God rules and reign. It's it's ruled by the kings and kingdoms of this world. And they have limited about a limited amount of ability to worship and experience the presence of God. 
And they carry on their religious duties to try to get there, but it just doesn't quite work out. And the Bible says that they honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. What a sad place. What a sad place. You have a people of God who were who were designed. They were created to rule over the earth and bring the rule of God over the earth. And now they're being ruled by the kings and the systems of this world. But Malachi promises that there is a the prophet will come one day who will introduce the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so 400 years later, this man shows up, this prophet by the name of John the Baptist. And we've been talking a lot about him. And he comes on the scene and he makes this big speak. He makes this big announcement. And he says, <laughs> he says, the promised king, he's coming. Prepare the way for him. His king, his kingdom is coming. And he's all excited and he's announcing it. And Jesus steps on the scene. And this is 2000 years after Abraham, the promise to Abraham. Jesus finally shows up. He's there. And he says, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. And he came to reestablish God's kingdom on the earth and to redeem sinful man. But first, he has to do something. He has to face a battle. A battle of temptation, just like you and I, just like the Israelites, just like Adam and Eve. He faces the very same battle. And the battle is over the kingdom of God. Who will rule in this kingdom on this earth? Will God rule or will Satan continue to rule? Are you with me? But the good news is, is we know that where Adam and Eve failed and where the Israelites failed, Jesus succeeded. And the Bible calls Jesus the, the second Adam. So what the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam accomplished. And Jesus did what all of us um, are able to do because of his death, burial and resurrection. And I, I want to look at it real practical now as we as we uh, kind of wrap this up and make a turn here. Um, what can we learn from this temptation of Jesus? We, we've just looked at all these, these three big battles, the battle in heaven, the battle on earth, and here we have another battle on earth. Jesus, what do we, what, what do we learn from this? Uh, we learn that the, the battle is not some personal sin management thing. The battle is bigger than that. It's a battle for who will reign and rule over the earth. And, and what I have found helpful as I've studied this passage, and I've preached this passage um, Five years ago, over three different weekends, and now I get to do it in one weekend. And, you know, I could have just took, taken the old notes and dusted them off and thrown some oil on it, and here we go. But um, I'm like, God, there's more here. There's more here. What is here? And, and what I've begun to realize is that um, there are three questions that, that would be helpful maybe to you today. Three questions that we should ask when we are tempted. Okay? And I think Jesus basically in his temptation had to answer these very same three questions. And the first question that we have to that we have to ask ourselves when we're tempted is this. Who will I trust? Who will I trust? Because temptation is really a more a test of your faith than a test of your self-control. When you are tempted, all right? The question you have to ask yourself is, is can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Not can I try harder? Okay. 
Temptation is not a test of your self-control. It's a test of your faith. Can God be trusted to meet my needs? So, Jesus, um, let's bring it to Jesus. What happened there? The Bible says that after 40 days of fasting, he was what? He was hungry. How many of you say that that would be a need? Right? You know, he was hungry. I think that's one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. You know, 40 days, you know, he's hungry, right? And so he's hungry. He needs to eat. He has a legitimate need. And Satan offers him an illegitimate way to go about meeting that need. All of us, we have needs. And behind every temptation, there is a need. Okay? Behind every, let me say it this way, behind every illegitimate temptation, there is a legitimate need. We have a need for intimacy in our lives. Uh, An emotional closeness with another human being. An into-me-see kind of relationship. A transparency, an openness. We all have a need for intimacy. All right? And Satan offers false intimacy and pornography and and sex outside of marriage. And all these things are are pseudo-intimacies that Satan wants to offer. But, but deep behind that, there is a, there's a need there. If I were to sit down with you and you and I were both very honest with each other about our areas of temptation and we ask each other, what need is behind that temptation? There's a need there. There's a need there. If, you, if, you're, if you're maybe tempted to, maybe greed is a big deal for you. And you're always trying to get more, always trying to get more because you never know when that rainy day is going to come. So you better always get more. You better always get more. And that's, what's, that's, that's what the Bible calls an idol. Anything that you look to to meet your need other than God is an idol, right? And so what's behind that idol of greed? What's behind that? There is, there is, there's this, there's never going to be enough. And I don't know that God's going to come through. So I better, you see, so behind that, there is this, I don't know that God really is going to meet that need in my life. So I better meet that need. So behind every temptation, there's a need. And temptation will always come where you're hungry and not where you're full. Again, Jesus was, was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and, and he was hungry, right? So there's a hunger behind every temptation, right? And temptation will come in your life, not where your needs are met. It'll be where your needs are empty, okay? Where they're not being met. And be, be aware of that. Be focused on that. Be aware that that's, that is there, okay? Um, you know, so the enemy, he loves to convince us that God is holding out on us. God doesn't really care, right? So we have got to take matters into our own hands. Um, maybe I should try to meet this need in my own way. I've waited long enough for God to provide a mate. I've waited long enough to have sex. I've waited long enough for this job. I've waited long enough for justice. It's not happening. I'm going to take this into my own hand and I'm going to create an Ishmael in the process. That's what happens. Right? And we go, what happened? And it has, we got to go back to that question that we all have to ask when we're tempted. Who will I trust? You know, who will I trust in this moment of temptation? So here's what you do. When you're tempted, pause, right? That's, that's a lot of times right there we miss the pause. Every temptation has a pause in it. 
In other words, there's a window of opportunity, the Bible says, where God provides a way out. Everybody has a window. Everybody has a window. In that window, in that space, in that moment of time, pause and ask yourself, who will I trust? And at that moment, you have the opportunity to say, God, I will trust you to meet this need. I will not trust this counterfeit thing, idol in my life to meet my need. The second question that we need to ask is this question of who will I worship? So who will I trust to meet this need? And the second question is, who will I worship as king? Temptation is not a battle over good and evil. Temptation is a battle over who will you worship? Who will you worship? The question is not if you worship. (laughs) The question is who? How many of you know that's true? All of us are worshipers. All of us are worshipers. And Satan knew that. And he said, he said, if you will bow down and worship me, then I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. You know, see, Satan didn't argue with him and say, no, 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 those aren't your kingdoms. They really belong to me. No, he did because they are his kingdoms. They were his kingdoms and then didn't argue with them. And he said, but if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Now, how many of you know that if Satan, if Jesus, excuse me, bowed down and he worshiped, right, Satan, would, would he have been ruling this world? He would have, but he would have been doing it under Satan's rule and not under God's rule. So who will I worship? Who will I worship as king? It's interesting how temptation um, to worship anyone but God promises a shortcut to our destination. You see, like I said earlier, we are all called to rule this earth. It's part of our calling. It's part of our responsibility on the earth as men and women of God is to bring God's rule and reign onto this earth. Satan will always offer a shortcut to get there. Always offer a shortcut to get there. The last question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Who will I rule with? Who will I rule the earth with? So who will I trust in this moment of temptation? Who will I worship? And then who will I rule the earth with? This goes back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, We are all created to rule the earth, (laughs) including all the creatures that crawl along the ground. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how Satan took on the disguise of a serpent It's interesting to me that when Jesus rebuked the serpent, he said, you are going to what? Crawl on the ground for the rest of your life. But God said to the woman, to the man and woman, when he created them, I am giving you authority, dominion, subdue, rule over all the creatures that crawl along the ground, including, let me make it clear, Satan and all of his fallen angels, right? But what we did in the Garden of Eden, we gave the keys of the kingdom we gave the keys of the kingdom to rule the earth over to satan in the garden of eden when jesus came and he battled satan in the wilderness when jesus came he lived a sinless life he died on that cross took our place when he rose from the grave the bible says that he took back the keys of the kingdom from satan and then before he left the earth he came to his church and he said now i'm giving you the keys to the kingdom now you have them Now you have the king living within you. You carry his authority. You carry his power. You carry his rule and his reign. And so when you are tempted, you have to ask the question, who will I reign this earth with? Will I rule it with Satan, the God of this world? Or will I rule it with God? You have that opportunity to exercise the authority that God has given to you. You can turn the keys back over to Satan like Adam and Eve did and say, yeah, you're the God of this world. I submit to you. Or you can say, Jesus, you're the God of this world. 
capital G, and I submit and I rule through you. And so we have an opportunity to use the authority and the power that we have. The cop who hid during the school shootings in Florida is now known as the coward cop. And I don't know why he didn't run into that school. I don't know why um, I wasn't there. But I know this. I know that he was armed. And I know that he had authority to use those arms. And I know that he did nothing. And he did not go into that school. And he did not stop that shooter who was aimed to kill, steal, and destroy. He had the authority to do it. He had the arms to do it. But he did not do it. And can I submit to you this morning that the God of this world and the systems of this world, they have their way with men and women in the kingdom who are armed with the word of God and have the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they do nothing with it. They do nothing with it. You act like you're still under his rule, under his control, under his authority, but you are no longer under his rule, control and authority. When Jesus came, the Bible says that he defeated sin. He defeated He defeated Satan. He defeated temptation. And he says, watch me, now you. Now the same authority that I did that with, I give it to you. So that tells me that every one of us has the ability, has the authority to resist the evil one. Every one of us has authority to go into that place in our life where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we can say, this is not your property. We have the authority to stop him in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you. This is, this is like, like a no-brainer, but we have to be reminded. In that moment of temptation, use the name of Jesus. Use the authority that you have in God. And may I remind you that Satan is not afraid of your words. He's afraid of God's words. And that's why Jesus himself said, it is written. And he's not afraid of you. He's afraid of God in you. He's afraid of God in you. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Battle one was in the heavens. Battle two on the earth. Battle three, Jesus on the earth. And we recognize that all three of those battles are over who will rule the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, Sons and daughters of God, we are called to rule in this kingdom called earth. We are called to bring the kingdom of heaven down onto this earth. And that is one of the big reasons why we're talking about temptation today. It's not about your personal holiness, sin management, your relationship with God. It's bigger than that. God wants us to rule and reign over the temptations in our own life. So those around us stand up and go, wow, these people are different. Just like the Israelites were called to display before the world and all the nations of the world. This is what God looks like when God's in charge. God God wants people to look at you and say, wow, that's what God looks like when God's in charge. He's not kicked around like, you know, some soccer ball, you know. He's not just kicked around like a tin. No, this this man has power. This woman has authority. They rule and they reign over the kingdoms of darkness. So when you're tempted, ask three questions. Who will I trust? Who will I worship in this moment? And who will I reign with on this earth? Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?
to begin with, Father, we know that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we, we have all been tempted this past week. And in some cases we have won and in some cases we have failed and we have sinned. And, and so we begin with saying, God, because you're such a good and merciful God, would you right now in this moment, would you, would you hear us confess our sin? Just take a few moments between you and the Father and just confess your sin. God, forgive me for not trusting you to meet the needs in my life. Forgive me for going to a relationship to meet that need or or trying to work extra to meet that need or something, God. Forgive me for setting up another idol, something else in my life to meet my needs other than you, God. I tear down that idol right now in Jesus' name. I tear down that idol in Jesus' name and I say, you are the one true God. You are the one true God and I will worship you and worship you alone. God, forgive us, God. Forgive us, Lord, for not exercising the authority that we have in Christ. Forgive us, Lord, for not for not ruling and subduing the earth as you have called us to do. God, I pray that you would set us apart as a people, God, who um, who, who embody the and carry out the authority and the power and the dominion that you've given to us. God, I thank you that you've called us to be kings and priests like Adam and Eve to rule and to minister to you. Kings and priests, God, you've called us to be. God, I pray that we would advance the kingdom of God, the rule and reign in this earth, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We're going to sing this chorus together. We're going to worship God, sing this chorus together. I would encourage you to lift your hands. God, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. May the King of my yes, Lord. Heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow. things and and yet David decided he was going to go outside of God's blessing and God meeting his needs and and one day he saw that woman and he said I can't live without that woman and so he took that woman for himself and he committed adultery and 
We know that he committed murder to cover it up and he lied. And this went on for over a year. And finally the prophet came to him and confronted David. And he, he reminded David of how good God is. And this is what he said. He said to David, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. God had been so good to David, but God had forgotten the goodness of God. He'd forgotten that the same God who met his needs before will meet his needs again. And I want to encourage you as we sing this song again to think, to remind yourself of the goodness of God, how good God has been to you and God is not holding out on you. And in that moment of temptation, you have the opportunity to say, God, I will trust you because you're a good God. You will meet my needs. I will worship you because you're the only one worthy of worship. And I will rule this earth with you, God, because that's what you've called me to do.